Wrong one, sorry. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 66 of Tactical Crouch. We're a uh, competitive Overwatch podcast bringing you probably the best string of shows I think we've probably ever had. Uh, amazing coaches and guests, and it just gets better. We keep adding on. You can only put so many cherries on top of a cake before it becomes a cherry tree. Yeah, cherry tree. Is that how that works? <laughs> yeah, yes. I, think, I think that's, yeah. Yeah. that's, that's the medical term. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, without further ado, of course, I'm joined by Volumel and Yiska. Uh, got head coach for the LA uh, Valiant. Sorry. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, don't I'm say still that. Still in. I know. Right? Let's not so talk about that. We don't talk team. about that on this show. <laughs> all of all of the they're they're dead to us basically mm-hmm. now. We're all LA Valiant be. fans on this show. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, but we are three of the hardcorest LA Valiant fans you will ever find. We don't say this on every show. Uh, but head coach for the LA Valiant, uh, Packig. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming thank on. Thank you, thank you. How are your Dolphins doing this year, by the way? All right, let's not talk about that. All right, we're going to move on to the subject, and, you know, hey. we're, we're good. So. I'm a Vikings fan. I only get to talk about two years yeah, well, out of the decade and then constantly just get disappointed. So. Yeah, well, you're lucky Dalvin Cook didn't get seriously injured last week, so. I'm not ready. You know. to t- I'm still not ready to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still feeling it. We really do have an awesome show this week. Uh, we've got a ton to talk about. We have a ton of questions for packing. Uh, thank you to everybody who submitted their questions and ideas uh, for topics that they wanted us to send to packing. Almost all of them were good questions. Had a couple of stupid ones, but um, for the most part, you guys were really good. So, uh, good, good job on that part. Before we get started, though, um, all the normal stuff. Just search for Tactical Crouch on the internet. You can follow us everywhere. Twitter, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iTunes. If you're searching for Tactical Crouch, we're there. And uh, follow, subscribe, whatever. Let's go ahead. Talk with packing. And this couldn't be done without our patron producers. Battle Crab, Maid, Pin, Lolshin, and Charlie L., Thanks to our patron producers. You guys are the best. If you want to support the show, patreon.com slash tactical crouch. And now it's time to talk to packing. All right, packing. We're coming out swinging here. Yiska wrote these sure. notes. And so how Yiska writes notes is he just puts the hard questions right away. <laughs> I like uh, it. Did I? Should be any other way. I like this first one. I'll read it. Yiska verbatim. Yiska batum. Uh, I like that. The Valiant didn't quite make it to play-ins in 2019. We want to talk about your 2019 seasons first. Sure, yeah. Do you have any regrets about that 2019 season, where you finished <laughs> up, um, the progress that you made overall? Yeah, um, I think regrets, no. Uh, disappointment, yes. Uh, obviously, after stage one when i took over you know from going oh and seven to where we were uh, i was night and day as, as a team and we we saw a lot of the improvement we wanted we did a lot of the things the right way um we rebuilt the culture there were so many great things that came out of uh that came out of what we were doing now at the end of the day my goal is 
to to win, right? Like I, I want to win the whole thing. And I I actually legitimately thought we had a, a good chance we made the playoffs to to make a run, you know, through through the playoff bracket as well because we were we were so hot going from stage three and into stage four. And you know, unfortunately that those last two games, you know, they didn't didn't go our way and we put all the effort into focusing on gladiators and uh uh, for a map, like for basically for a map and a half, it looked like it was going to be a blowout, and then we just kind of fell apart. So, um, yeah, regrets, no, though, uh, disappointment, yeah. So, well, we're gonna fix it this year, and we're gonna go from there. So, all right, yes, guy, ask it verbatim, so you can't be mad at me for sugarcoating <laughs> it. Follow ups yeah. get to happen now. <laughs> like, okay, so how do how do you think you would have done if you got in? Because the meta, of course, significantly changed. He was being introduced and whatnot. Do yeah. you think that would have been a meta that you guys would have rolled the dice correctly on? Uh, yeah. I th I th well, I think we would have had at least you know two really good mechanical players in, in their roles. I mean, I think Agilities is one of the best Doomfist players. Um, he's he's gr he's great uh, mechanically at, at the hero. And then uh, you know we could see from World Cup like how 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 great Indy is at at, at Sigma and how talented he is on that role. So. I think, you know, we would have been able to figure out what we we're doing really quickly. And I think we would, we would have had, you know, a good, good chance of being successful uh, in that meta. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that's neither here nor there, you know, we'll, we'll never know. Um, and, you know, unfortunately, and that's just how it is. Right. So I uh, just got to keep moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I think so, that's fair. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. No, I was I was just going to kind of, you know, jump in and and drop a little, you know, a little love cuz you know this this is the team, the 2019 Valiant. They 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 were the first team to topple the Titans and I wanted to, you know, to, I'm sure Packing's talked about this a, a number of times, but you know, this this is a, this is a big deal. I feel like it would, would be remiss not to talk about, you know, how how that was for you. What was that like behind the scenes? What was that like in the dugout, you know, celebrating this this very historic win? What was, sure, yeah. what was that well, like for you? Uh, you know, unfortunately, I was in my box in the dugout, so sure. You know, I, I wasn't wasn't you know physically present, but go, going in going into there, you know, we at the start at the start of the stage, we really had a lot of good stuff going on, and we knew what we were doing. We we're seeing the progress that we wanted to, and I was talking to my coaches a couple of days before, and I was just like, "We're, we're going to win this game." Like, the, I, like there's no doubt in my mind. Like we, because at, at that's right when at the time when we decided we're like, okay, well we're playing Vancouver, we're playing a couple other really good teams. We don't want to like we, we we're not going to be meta slaves. We're not going to say, hey, listen, we're just going to play goats because that's we're we're going to lose if we do that. So we really we changed up our roster. We put Shacks in. We started playing uh, somber goats instead. And uh, like watching their film, it was like, okay, you know, there's. Like there's, we should win this and we should, we, we should be able to do it, you know, really well. So, you know, we knew Oasis didn't really favor us as a map against them, but every other map we were like, yeah, we should have like a really good chance to win. So, uh, I was pretty confident going in that match that we we're going to win. Um, and I think the players were too, they, they really adapted the mindset of like, you know, we, we know what we're doing on this and all we have to do is execute rather than being going in there and saying, Hey, listen, this team hasn't lost a game. Um, right. they, they didn't approach it like that. And uh yeah i mean i think it was is really exciting for everybody it was exciting for the fans too so um especially from where we started that year to kind of have that climax about three quarters of the way through the season was um was really good and it, it also you know gave them that motivation to really go hey listen 
we know we need to do a couple things during the season to make the playoffs and mm-hmm. we have a really low percentage chance to do it. But if we can do this, then we, right. we should, we, we should be able to do whatever we want. Right. So, um, so, you know, it worked out and it was a great, great time, great experience for the players. And I think it's a moment that a lot of people aren't going to forget, you know, yeah. uh, in their entire life. Too. So, yeah, yeah, that, that, was, was, that was pretty crazy. I suddenly won't forget how I predicted exactly that to happen. And <laughs> hey, so to be fair, he did, he did. <laughs> Joe, Joe picked where the Valiant would finish up at the end of the season, and he was far closer than either of us, Yiska. So, well, that was uh, that was that was some tea leaves astrological nonsense. Yeah, that, wasn't, that wasn't you know day to day. Where was the prediction? That's what I want to know. Where was everybody's predictions? We had you up, I think, at like top five, top. Seven, I think Yiska and I, and then yeah, uh, Joe puts you at eleven. Yeah, around there, I think. And he and he and he took internet for it for at least (laughs) the first. I'd say the first. I couldn't have I couldn't have predicted the entrance into the league, like the the start to 2019. But I felt like I I I pieced together for the most part the not the rebuild, but like how you guys did overall um i went into the season kind of expecting you know moves that were made elsewhere were a little bit more uh powerful a little stronger picking up some of the the rookies that were coming in i was i was big on some of them so it wasn't it was nothing personal strictly business i mean well and 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 the thing was uh at the at the end of the day if you if you go back and you look at you know, stage one, right? Sure. You look at all the games, how many Matt five losses were there in stage one, right? Yeah, so yeah. Re- realistically, you know, saying anywhere from five to 12 or whatever, it's, I mean, it really could have been anywhere in there. I mean, yeah. if we want two more games, I think we're top 10. Yeah, like, exactly. You know, it's 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 one of those things, especially in that in that first stage when you lose so many Matt fives and a lot of those Matt fives were like 0.3 Matt fives. Mm. I mean, yeah, you know, so, sometimes when when you get get going and you get a little bit of that negative mojo going on, sure. it's like, hey, you lose two of those in a row, and it comes up to Matt five, and people start sweating a little bit more, and it's like, <laughs> right. oh man, it's Matt five. Oh well, it's point three. Oh, we know we we've seen this before, yeah. like uh, you know, and you, yeah, the Valiant were three. You guys were three and six um, on map fives last year, it was, and it was the second most map fives of any Overwatch League team behind Chengdu. So. And I think if I, I'm not a hundred percent certain here, but I think four of those map fives came in stage one. Uh, there's yeah, a lot I know, of them I know in there stage was one. quite yeah. a few in stage yeah, one. That sounds for right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. say three it, or four was, sounds yeah. right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, we ripped off that band aid, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no band aids. It's no band aids. Yeah. It's all in the past. You know, you, you grow from it, you learn from it, and you move on. That's yeah. what you do. That's fair. And it happens. Like we we've definitely seen a lot of I mean, we the the amount of dynamic like the dynamics of a team during the season are actually really interesting to watch because you weren't the only team who was going through a lot of changes strategically and uh just, you know, with, with staff and players. And it's really interesting how you see the you know, the results ultimately end up changing. You have metas to take account of new players to take account of coaches mm-hmm. to take uh, account of map fives, right? Like one more map, but how does that change the things uh, change everything? So I, I think it's really interesting. Part of me though, is like, does that feel like for, for you knowing all those factors, does that feel good 
that that the league is that volatile and that you have that high of peaks and valleys. Does that make sense? Um, yeah, uh, I think I think variance is extremely important. Um, and at the end of the day, if you looked at the teams that were extremely successful throughout the year, they were the ones who you know who ended up making the end of the playoffs, right? So, um, yeah, I think like the like the volatile nature of you know, the regular season, that's, that's any season that you have. I mean, if you look at the NFL, if you look at, um, I think last year, whatever it was, the Texans started out like 0 and 6 or 0 and 5 or something like that. And then they, they're making a playoff push at the end of the year. There's, there's always going to be those storylines and that's always going to happen within teams, regardless, regardless of if it's traditional sports or esports or whatever. So I think it's good. And I think it, it makes you know things exciting, right? If, um, if you looked at, you know, where, you know, kind of like our numbers were for like like the people using our skins and all that kind of stuff at the beginning of the year. Um, it wasn't good. Nobody wanted to like we were losers. That's what it was. There's no other way to put it, right? When you're on seven, like you're a loser, and that's what it is. Nobody wants to support that. Nobody, whatever. Well, as the season goes on and we start turning right in the ship, and you know, uh, going from there, you look at the end of the you know, at the end of the year when they're posting that stuff, and Valiant was in the top three because people. People wanted to to support. They 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 want to to be out there. And the same thing with you know Shanghai Dragons in season one, sure. right? Um, so you know you look at those kind of turnarounds, and it, I think it's extremely important. It's really good for the storylines. It's really good for um, you know it's really good for people's careers. It was great for my career. What happened last year, um, and you know you really get to prove your worth, and mm. you know your players get to prove their worth too because. Once once you get people like McGravy that he came in last year, granted, he did not play, but he provided provided a very, very important part um, of leadership on our team because we we needed someone who was, you know, had the right mind of the culture. He knew exactly what I wanted, even though he wasn't playing. He was still supporting supporting the team in the dugout during the games. You know, he would say. Uh, he'd ask me and say, Hey, could, could I, could I talk in a microphone really quick? And he'd go in and freaking, you know, be like, well, let's fucking go guys. Like you guys could do this, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, and uh, it, it's, it's, it was really, really important because we had to build that up from the bottom. And then if you do it the right way and you start building that foundation in the right place, you see someone like him and they do that and they provide such a very good support role from the bench. And then this year I was able to go, okay, well, you know, great. Like I'm actually able to give you the opportunity to play and, uh, you know, he, stuff like that. I mean, those kind of storylines and things like that. It's it's it, it's what this is all about, and mm. it's 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 really it's really great. So uh, I'm super excited for it, and I think it is really important. I think that's that's a, a good segue to get to, I guess, the biggest news recently for your team. And when we're talking about leadership in your team, certainly one one name has to be mentioned. Oldest sure. guy. Also, honestly, probably the face uh, of the brand for for a bit with his custom news. Oh, and, definitely, definitely. Sure. Um, what do you think? You personally, because we've we've seen, for instance, Mike Schwartz on on Twitter saying what what he feels he's losing in Custis retirement. What do you think? What what do you need to fill in your team next year? Now that Custis. Yeah. Um... A lot. He, he leaves he leaves really big shoes to fill. Um, and, you know, I guess, you know, it all starts with 
how things went in stage one and when, you know, when he wasn't playing and everything like that. And the leadership he still provided and the positive attitude and how he was doing things and how he went about, you know, went about the, the full gambit of it from stage one, not playing to stage two. I told him, Hey, listen, no, no, no. Like we're going to put you back in. This is what we're doing. We're, I'm going to work with you. And, you know, we, we, we did, we did that. And I mean, he's, he's not only a leader inside the team, but also outside the team, right? He always is doing the right thing. He's, he's never, you know, he's never trash talking people on social media or doing the wrong thing. The values that the organization has, the values that I have of, you know, being, being professional, being courteous, doing all the right stuff at the right time. Um, and doing all the right stuff at the, at the wrong times too, when things are going bad, sure. he, he had that. And that's something that not a lot of people have. When you talk about leadership skills and having, um, you know, a kind of like a grit, right. And a, a, like a determination and a quality of leadership that people want to follow. He's one of the guys who has it and not a lot of people have that. So I think, you know, it's, it's really sad to see him go, um, you know, but, that that's probably the biggest gap that he that he that we're going to be missing is is that and that's one of the things that I hope you know we could work with McGravy to trans tran, or transition into because I see a lot of those same qualities in him that you know that Scott had and he he's he's a great great leader um, you know people want to follow him he's very self critical and um, can accept feedback from himself or from you know staff and things like that and. Outside the game, he's you know he's a, a great locker room culture guy. So, um, you know that's that's kind of what my plan is for it, and I hope it works out. But um, but yeah, Scott. I mean, it's it's hard to say how much Scott does or how much Scott did, and how great of a person he was, and how great of a friend we became through all of the the trials and tribulations that that he was going through, and that mm. um, and that I was going through as a, a a new head coach in in you know stage two. We we worked a, a lot together. We did like weekly leadership meetings with me, him, and Fact Fiction. That we would sit down and we would talk about, hey, listen, this is what the coaching staff's vision is for the team. This is how how we're going to do it. You know, I want some input from you guys. What's going on with the team culture wise? You know, um, anything I need to know, stuff like that, and. Uh, I mean, I'm going to miss that. That's one of the biggest things I'm going to miss is our, 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 you know, weekly calls on Sunday nights. It's, it's, it's sad. So, but it's good for him. It's good for him. So got a nice advocate on the desk this year for Overwatch League too. Now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You guys know where my leaks will be going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, quick, one of you guys get hired by the Valiant. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, so what? No, no, but um, yeah, that's it's it's certainly an interesting part. Uh, that is also a, um, like a dynamic that it will be interesting to see because I mean, we we will have definitely two former Overwatch League players in, uh, on the broadcast, maybe three, yeah. I don't know, and um, to see how they react to the old teams and. Uh, if there yeah. even maybe something develops, I don't think that will be the case in Custis' case. Maybe in other uh, place cases. Um, certainly interesting, like how how much, um, especially like if you're a desk desk talent, there's mm. a certain level of um, objectivity that you that is required of you, right? So yeah, and I think a lot of those guys that um, that are doing it, I, I think. I think they're a little bit older, a little bit more mature, and they also sure. understand that too. So, um, 
I, I personally, I don't think that's going to be a problem. I know that's not going to be a problem for Scott, but you know, I hope he, you know, I hope he gives us a little bit of the, uh, you know, a little bit of the nice treatment, you know, a little shoulder nudges here and there, and uh, and at least I hope he's rooting for us. I, I'm, I'm sure he will be, but you know, like I said, I'm going to miss him, and it'll be nice to be able to see him out there too. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's great. I mean, he's going to be great at it. It's oh yeah. yeah. Don't you hate people who are so talented that they just. They're good at everything they do. I'm just good at things. Yeah. YouTube content, sure, I can do it. All right, pro Overwatch League player, yeah, sure, no problem. I'm best, sure, yeah, <laughs> whatever. A streamer, yep, got gotcha. you. Yeah. Got it, yeah, no, sure. <laughs> All right, sign I, I'm here, kind please. of excited to see the 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 yeah. transition start to begin for some of these, you know, day one players. You know, both of these, you know, Jake and Custom, both like they've been doing this for a long time. So it's, we're yeah. starting to see that trickle up to to desk talent, to to coaching, to management, to this that the other thing we're, we're starting to filter some of the the old heads up and and that that's really cool to see like i i i on the short list of people who i would like to have seen i think custa jake definitely on that list yeah. with them. they're very well yeah, spoken exactly. they have great heads on them like been been very good for the game optics wise they they always like you said they they're they're not bad role models in 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 a sense of you know being humble staying staying you know low on the braggadocious charts so it's it's yeah wouldn't have it wouldn't have it any other way and i think they're gonna do a, a fantastic job i want to talk yeah. i want to talk about the the 2020 season changes with you really quick packing because there's some pretty big changes obviously you did have your own homestand last mm-hmm. last uh season and uh, so you got a little bit of taste of what season three had in store but uh you know overall the la valiant you're kind of middle of the road as far as you know from what we've been able to parse out on uh just kind of travel and stuff i mean how have the logistics been working out here like are, are you guys all set we've seen some teams that are like we're not traveling with all of our players other teams are like yes we are other teams are like we still don't know yet <laughs> so uh, how's well, that all been going actually. for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're, we're trying to be really proactive, and that's what um, Mike he, you know, he handles all all the logistics stuff, and we, I, I feel like we talk about it twice a day. Is hey, listen, like, what what are we doing with this? What are we doing with this? How how do, how do we do this? Um, you know, anything from the visa stuff, uh, just getting people to the states first to you know Chinese visas to uh, everything in between, and um, I, I think it's. Uh, I think a lot, a lot of people are starting to figure that stuff out now. We've been trying to be really proactive about it and be asking the right questions at the right times. But um, yeah, I think it's just a, a going to be a learning process for everybody. Um, like I said, I, I hope you know everything goes smoothly. But you know, I, I talked about it before the show is when when I was in the Marine Corps and you look at the logistics of that, going to Afghanistan or here or there or wherever, and we've been doing it for 10 years and then there's logistic problems with that. You know, you're silly to think you're not going to, everything's going to go smooth and you're not going to have logistic problems wherever you go. So um, I think one one of the things we really adapted is just, you know, um, the mentality of trying to be great at everything we're doing. So even if that's planning logistics and, you know, making sure the players are going to be taken care of with what they need um, or if it's, um, you know, practice or anything like that. So, uh, you know, having that mentality I think is going to be really good for us and making sure we're flexible and we understand that, you know, it's, it's not going to go the way things we think they're going to go or the way it's, it's supposed to go. So um, in terms of actual logistics, 
everything's just kind of in the process right now, especially especially with like the China trip so early in the season. But um, but yeah, we're just trying to be flexible and trying to make sure we're doing things the right way. So taking care of the players. What, what do you think mm-hmm. the biggest challenges are going to be? I think and not just for the Valiant, but just kind of any team, um, you know, you're going to be in, you start off in Dallas, then you kind of yep. go on this stint in China and you come back uh, to the United States from there. Like, are you, you know, are you worried about practice quality is just travel overall? You think going to be one of the most uh, challenging factors? Yeah, I think I think there's a multiple different facets of you know what you need to look at, right? Obviously, like the logistics stuff, there like tons of stuff could go wrong with that. Um, you know, just initially with any anything from player gear being gone and not arriving at the place to um, delayed flights or just long flight times and things like that. So so there's that aspect. So you have, you have that, then you have like the physiological factors of the travel on on people's bodies and the psychological factors on on people with you know you could have the best team in the world but if they don't travel well then it's going to be a really difficult season for you um how well do players deal with jet lag how well do players deal with eating uncomfortable foods that they're not familiar with um all these different kinds of things and we were able to experience that a little bit last year going to dallas and then having our own but and then i was actually able to go to the atlanta one because i was living in georgia at the same time so i was able to experience that one too uh but you know, when you when you see this kind of stuff, um, initially, it's like it's it's kind of you're rolling the dice. You, you pick players that you think have the have the values that you do have that those, you know, uh, the fortitude and, the you know, the, the mental like the mental fortitude to actually uh, travel, not be you know, frustrated by it and things like that. And I think for, for right now, what we're talking about is making sure we're bringing everybody just in case um, stuff happens, people get sick, especially for like the longer trips. But, you know, when it comes to um, like going to Dallas and things like that, I, I think, you know, initially the plan we're discussing is, um, you know, trying to fly out just the night before, right? Practice, practice where we're comfortable and then fly out and just run it like we're playing a, or, playing the you know in the nba or something like that you know go do our business there go home and you know practice where we're comfortable and be able to give the players those, those kind of environments so um we'll see how it works i think a lot of teams are going to struggle with it um i hope my team's not one of them because i want us to be successful um but you never know i mean it's it, it, it just depends on the goal and the, the mental fortitude of the players so i will say like one thing that was i was recently looking at is not just travel schedule which is, of course, for one division, way harder in in most regards, right? Yep. And then I like up on seeing that Boston is actually living in Boston. This is rough. Like their schedule, that is it's actually insane how disadvantaged they are in comparison to Washington. Because not only do they travel among the most, and actually I think they will be the team that travels the most because they stay home. They will also be the team that travels into the markets with the worst possible practice, is what I'm predicting anyway, with the worst possible teams to practice against. So, like, this will, I think, will have tremendous impact on, like, if you're a lot in Europe, if you're traveling a lot, a lot with the teams uh, in Europe, like, this is, this is all going to be, and then also how they travel, like, they go to Europe, then they come back, then they go to Europe again. Like stuff like that is like Boston just for that it has, is at such a disadvantage. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, you, you look at that and then 
I, I think if you look more at the East division schedules, right, um, mm-hmm. those teams are, I think they only come to the States once because of the, the way the visas work. So they play like half the season in China and Korea, and then they they come and play in the States for, for half the year. Um, uh, to me, it seems like that's a pretty good advantage, right? Because they get to play, they're going to be playing a lot of these um, good Korean contenders teams and, and sure. things like that too, right? And a lot of those teams are extremely talented. When we were scrimming them the past couple of weeks, it's like, hey, like, you know, these guys are these guys are pretty good. They know what they're doing. Um, you know, there's, I mean, you look at what happened with the, the Vancouver Titans, right? They picked up they picked up a, a full team from contenders and then they did really well um, from Korean contenders. So, um, you know, there's, when it, when it comes to like the practice advantages and things like that, you know, uh, like I, I think there's there's definitely stuff like that. Like you said, Boston travels so much. You know, uh, is the the trip to Europe isn't a, it's not a bad flight. It's not traveling to China. It's not twenty hours. But it, you know, just traveling eight, an eight hour flight every two three weeks does that suck? Absolutely, it does. Is that going to affect you? A hundred percent. I remember when I came back from World Cup in Paris. Uh, for EU contenders finals, I came back and I was like, man, I was going to sleep for like two days. Mm-hmm. Like that's, yeah, yeah, I just need to readjust my schedule sure. and everything. And I, I'm someone who I wake up early. I, you know, I, I spend the whole day with my family and impressions. Contenders, stuff. by the way. <laughs> that's yeah. how I feel <laughs> after Korean. I'm, like, I'm watching, man. I'm over cup. I'm, I'm sleeping two days. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those things. That, I mean, the logistics. Of everything, it's just gonna be interesting uh, because it's not. It, even if you look at you know the NFL or the NBA or anything, MLB, MLB, they travel all the time. They play so many games. They don't go out of the country. They're not playing. Mm-hmm. They're not playing in China for a month and then coming back, or they're not going to Europe for two weeks and then coming back and then going. Oh, hey, you get one week off and you're playing more games. So um, it'll be interesting. I think it's it's exciting. It's you know at least you know all these guys who are actually playing or you know they're they're you know, really young and relatively speaking. So, um, you know, they should have more energy than I do when we're traveling. So, uh, you know, <laughs> well, something, yeah. something that was kind of interesting that Deepa brought up last, last week was that he felt that we might see different meta interpretations between the different divisions is like they travel to different parts of the world. Do you think that we might see that in overwatch league or do you think that, um, um it, it'll largely stay the same? My my initial opinion or initial I guess gut reaction is that it's going to be generally the same, right? Regardless of the region you're in, the heroes that are strong, their strategy that's strong is typically what happens, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you go and you look at you know the, what the Korean contenders teams are practicing versus NA contenders versus Overwatch League and the teams they're playing now, it's the same stuff right now. So that that leads me to believe that you know if these teams that are in Asia are going to be playing against those teams. And they're going to try to run the best strategy. And then you have the teams in NA who are playing against each other, which is going to be a majority of, you know, Overwatch League teams. They're going to be playing the same thing. So, you know, I, I don't think the variance is going to be super high. Um, maybe some like niche picks here and there, but uh, at least from my gut reaction of actually practicing and stuff now, mm. no, it's not going to be different. Mm. The strong heroes, strong comps are going to be the strong heroes and strong comps. Doesn't matter where you go. So, yeah, I think the the defense of that point is. That because of travel, I I personally predict that contenders will catch up a lot to the level of Overwatch League simply because of that. Like mm-hmm. like one team, one guy is on a plane looking at vods on his iPad. Yeah. The other kid is like gaming for sixteen hours a day with mom sandwiches. Like who's yeah. going to improve? Yeah, faster, mom sandwiches right? sound good. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that <laughs> sounds so good right now. Yeah. Sign me up for that one. Yeah. So um, it's it, like, at least if it's sort of influenced by the regional contenders uh, scenes, sometimes we we saw different meta interpretations in, in the different scenes, sure. right? Yeah, like, sure. I mean, what I was You like, know, because of yeah. uh, Europe, right? Like the, the goats That's thing true. and the, right? Like, yeah, but, the, but for that for that counterpoint to that too, right, is GOATS started in NA, right? Like, mm -hmm. Yes, Europe was a very quad tank heavy region. When I started coaching Angry Titans, they were, um, the GOATS was the meta and they wanted to play quad tank because that's what they were comfortable playing. And it's like, <laughs> no, 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 we're not doing that. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to learn how to do this. Right. Um, so I, I think eventually comes the point that everybody catches up and that that's, right. and like, I, I think the, the point of the, the travel and all that stuff is it, it's, it's good. But when, like if if you do things the right way, at least from my perspective, of you're not going to go to Dallas three days or four days before the event unless you have to, and you know you're going to stay at your home place. You're going to practice. You're going to be able to practice as much as possible, and then oh hey, the night before, you know, two days before, if you have media or content or whatever, mm. you're going to go out there and then use their facilities for those days. And when you talk about the sheer time loss, I mean, you're only going to lose a lot of these places you're traveling to. You're not going to lose a lot of time, um, especially for us traveling like West Coast, stuff like that, hour and a half, two hour flights, something like that. Like we still have room in the day to practice. Right. So, um, mm. you know, and even if it's um, when it actually comes to playing the game, in my opinion, you playing the game is not the most important thing. Uh, to do, especially once the season's going. The more important stuff is doing those reviews, doing the player one-on-ones, helping them learn, helping them develop better. Uh, that That's more important than actually sitting down and going, hey, we're going to scrim for six hours today. Mm -hmm. So, Will you have some sort of, let's say, movable uh, equipment so that, like, because here's my question. <laughs> okay, let's talk, talk a little bit candidly. Some of those sure. concerns didn't have amazing practice facilities, right? Mm -hmm. I assume this has to be a fear of teams that practice at these homestands. So the, uh, maybe some teams would just go, okay, we're investing in like amazing uh, laptops or whatever. Sure, yeah. And then we definitely make out a, a, like a way to get solid internet going or something like that, right? Yeah. Is, yeah, is that uh, I think... thing you're thinking about? Uh, we've been thinking about that stuff for, for a long time already. Um, and that, that's kind of, kind of why I said, you know, with the, like the logistics stuff, it's, you know, you expect it to be, to be run and you expect it to, to work out well, but it never does. So you always need a backup plan. You need an idea for what you're going to do. Even, even a platform to like, like if we're, we go to China for a month, how are our guys going to uh, play the game outside of practice? Because, you know, you get X amount of practice hours. But then when you're done with that, like, what, what do we have to do to let them play ranked and let them mm. work on their micro plays or just their mechanics or this or that? So um, we've been thinking about it. And I think there's a lot of different options for what people need to do to be successful. Uh, you know, now I'm not going to share any of those or what we're talking about doing because, <laughs> you know, I don't want other teams to go, oh, hey, that's a good idea. We're going to do that. Sure. But, mm. um, but yeah, I think it's it's really important and being able to handle handle that stuff and understand, Hey, it's, it's not going to work out the way you think it is. Like just because blizzard says everybody's going to have practice areas available mm -hmm. doesn't mean that they're readily going to be available or they're going to be good. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we'll, we'll just see what happens. And like I said, this, this year I think is a big learning experience for everybody. So, um, you know, hope for the best, expect the worst and, you know, make, mm -hmm. just do, do whatever you can to make sure that on our side of things, 
we're giving the players the best chance to succeed and practice and stuff like that. So definitely thinking about that stuff though. Kind of going back to the the travel question and and how you know the meta may or may not change. Are in a more general sense, are you kind of excited to to maybe see some players you might not have been able to see in you know the open tryouts? Is this something that you know maybe the league as a whole is is you know uh, excited for? Are you excited to to kind of trial against some of the each region's best teams maybe see some new players that like you said or like i said you you might not have been able to to, to trial and and your open process yeah um when it comes to that like we we have like a a very you know very extensive process for okay. how how and where we're looking at players so um you know the, the past couple of years um i try to make it habit of watching all, all the games from all the contenders regions um mm-hmm. this year it was a little bit harder to do with, you know, sure. the, what we were doing during the season. But um, I, I think, it, I mean, it's great. It's great being able to play different teams for different regions because you get a different perspective, right? Sure. Because uh, the way I think about the game or you guys think about the game or any of my players think about the game is different than someone from Korea or China or, uh, or wherever Europe. So it's, it's really good. And that's one of the things that, you know, uh, I, I've attributed my success to was being able to go to Europe and um, not only coach those guys, but learn from those guys and go, mm-hmm. okay, well, I would look at the game in this way. And this is what I see. Well, will that work against this or not? Okay. A lot of the times the answer is no, because traditionally speaking, the mentality and the the approach of how I'm thinking about the game is geared towards the past two years of me coaching against people who are thinking in a very similar way or similar mm-hmm. fashion. So I, I think it's really good. And I think if you go and open minded about it, there's a lot of stuff you can learn from those teams, regardless of if they're like good, good teams or bad teams or good players or bad players. Um, the way they think about the game is, is different and the way we think about the game is different. So, sure. um, you know, having that kind of mindset is extremely important there. Scouting talent. I mean, you might find a gem and go, Hey, this guy's insane. You know, chuck him down. Like, we'll take a look and get some VODs. But, um, you know, the scouting process we have, it's, you know, it was pretty invasive and I'm pretty happy with how ours went. So, um, you know, I, I think, uh, I, I think it's, it's more so about the, uh, the symbiotic relationship of sure. being able to, use those scrims to learn more um you know if it's myself as a coach or the players as you know as individuals as well so yeah like that that's interesting like because um we we already beforehand had had a talk about this like you had an insane size of a trial right how many players did sign up uh a lot i don't remember the exact number off the top of my head but it was it was a lot um, I won't, I want to say it was close to a thousand if, if not more. I, I don't know. It was, it was a lot though. I, it was a lot of players. And, uh, there were players where you had specifically your eye on. Did you land any of those players? And would you, I don't want to, I don't want to make you sure. love their ego more than, you know, like, than they maybe yet deserve by saying sure. like, okay, this is, but it, um, who were the players that came from the old uh, open trials? Yeah, um, well, you know, just from from strictly the um, we did we did an open trial and then a closed trial after that. So basically, mm. if you made it through the open trial, then you would um, mm. you'd get you'd get to the closed trial. So um, we we ended up having uh, a dreamer. Um, he he was one that came from there. Uh, a slur came from there, um, and then. 
I, I think they were the two that came from the uh, and and then Apply played in those as well. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And then uh, Apply was invited to the to the closed tryout, but he asked to play in the open tryout. Um, and kind of when the open tryout was was ending, we were like, oh hey, this guy's really good. If he does really well in closed tryouts, then. Um, you know, kind of same thing, but, um, but yeah, I mean, out of the people who who really surprised me just from the, from the open trials, I mean, I mean, dreamer's gotta be the one that, that I said, I never heard of him before. never knew who he was, um, anything like that. And I started doing research after I watched him play one time. I'm like, Hey, this guy looks, he looks like he's got some pretty good mechanics. Let me take a look. So, you know, scheduled him some more and checked him out. And then I was like, okay, he's pretty good. Let's look at, you know, a little bit of history and start, you know, talking to some people and find out a little bit about him personally. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, his journey himself was, was crazy with how he was, you know, he's Korean. He went to Thailand and he was playing in Australia and all this stuff. He was, um, you know, he's really passionate and really wanted to, to be successful. And, uh, his story and you know uh, what I think he was able to will be able to bring to the team. I mean, is really good. So, um, so yeah. I mean, uh, the key, he was probably the one out of the open tryouts that uh, I don't want to say it surprised me the most, but um, I, I've definitely never heard of his name before. Um, mm, no, no. But uh, but you know when when it comes comes down to it, you know, the most important thing. Um, and I talked to my coaching staff about this was when we go into the trial process, we need to throw out all the preconceptions we have about any players out the door and we need to be as objective as possible because if we want to be a good team, we cannot let any bias influence our decisions, regardless of if that's a past bias from, you know, we think this player is really good or that player played for us before or whatever the case may be. Um, you know, they have to do it and they have to do it the right way and they have to impress us. And, you know, it has to line up with the mentality and the ideology and the vision that I have. Mm. And, um, and we found a lot of those guys. I mean, McGravy is a perfect example. Like I said, last year, he did all that stuff for us. He wasn't gifted the spot. I actually had a conversation with him at the end of the year saying, Hey, we're not picking up your option. And then I messaged him a couple weeks later and said, if you want to come to the close tryout, I'd be more than happy to have you at the close tryout you know, be it known, you're not going to be gifted a spot and you got to play well. And I know you haven't scrimmed for the past year, but if you want to be successful, here's your notice, practice and, and go get it. And he came into the tryouts like a freaking bat out of hell. And everybody was like, oh, okay, well, all right. Well, he, everybody else has been playing Sigma for the past year or six months or whatever it was, three, four or five months. And you haven't touched it once in a scrim and, you know, you're you're doing a good job and yeah there's learning points that you need to have but you're doing an outstanding job for not knowing what you're doing i mean there's there's a lot of good good stuff so um so yeah being being as objective as possible and then um and then finding people that fit the vision that was those were two main goals um and we didn't care what region the players were from who the players were if we had experience with them if we didn't mm-hmm. if they met those two things and then they were um morally uh good people and we think we'd be able to benefit the team, then that's who we look to pick up. So like that, that's interesting to me because for instance, like, I mean, Joe uses this in a felt way, every second article, but the, the Koreans talk about uh, a concept of team color. Ah, yeah. And yeah, <laughs> yeah you do, right? <laughs> like, yeah, I do that. <laughs> um, no, but um, just like, Maybe more from a, perhaps, if you want, philosophical understanding. Like, what kind of players, what were you looking for in players? What, like, from yeah. the outside, we see, okay, you went with three known entities, mm-hmm. and they're all young. 
pretty much. Mm-hmm. Right? I think th- who's the oldest one? Is McGravy the oldest one with twenty-two? Um, I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah. Oh no, we got yeah, we got we got some. I I think I think twenty or yeah, twenty-two, twenty-three, something like that. So yeah, something like um, that. Yeah. Is like what what was your what were the other division, things to I guess the question to, to say, yeah. yeah so so like I said you know we want to we wanted to find people like obviously they had to be mechanically good right that's a prerequisite okay. um but when it came down to um you know what I look for in uh, players and team culture right is I look for an environment where um if if we have these players that number one like they're super self-aware of uh of themselves and if they need and super self-critical right so um not to the point that they're gonna you know beat the hell out of themselves if they do something wrong but at the point that i can trust these players to if i say hey listen we have homework today we're gonna do this that every single one of them is gonna do it show up with their ideas and is gonna be an active part of um of you know solving the problems that we have right so so that was number one number two is i look for people who who are passionate and it and that's and the thing that's funny is it's it's easy to say people are passionate about the game because everybody wants to be a pro right but there's a different level of passion and there's just like anything else in the world and the people especially when you're making a brand new team and in a league like the overwatch league you need people who are willing to put in four, five, six extra hours a day to get better because we don't have any of those pre-existing synergies. So we needed, we needed people that were, that were, um, that had that, right. We needed people who, um, uh, who we thought would, would work well and develop well underneath the coaching staff as well. Um, I mean, you guys know, a lot of people know, I, you know, it could be a little bit of a, a hard ass sometimes. Um, but, uh, you know, it's I needed to find people who wouldn't shut down or shut me out or any of my other coaches out if we were giving them, you know, giving them negative feedback or positive feedback or whatever. Because we do a lot of player development stuff. We sit down with the players. We talk to them every single day. You know, um, mm-hmm. some of these guys four or five, six times a week, they get one on one sessions. Um, and sometimes they're sometimes they're, hey, listen, you're doing this better. You know, we just need to do this, this and this. Other times it's like, what like what are we doing here? This is like. We're, we're regressing. We need to do this. This is, this is bad. So um, we need to find people who also had a little bit of, a little bit of a thick skin. Um, and then from there, it was building, you know, the culture of who we thought would work well together. Um, there were so many players out there, so many good players too. But when it comes down to it, you say, okay, at the end of the day, we really want to want to build a team around, you know, these two or three pieces, you know, what do we need to support them? Um, and what other mentalities, what, what are we looking for in the, the culture of, you know, who's going to be the leadership? Who's, who's going to be our custa? Who's, sure. uh, you know, um, you know, who's going to take care of this in the communication system or who's going to do this or this, um, you know, do we really need this role to talk because this guy's like, really, we think this guy's really good mechanically, like, but he, he has some other detriments to him, stuff like that. You know, we, mm. we're, we had to go through everything, every possible situation and sit down and go, okay, cool. This is the team we think will work the best together um, and can grow and develop at, a, at an exponential rate because that's what we need. And, you know, uh, I think we got a lot of good guys. And like I said, I'm super excited about, um, uh, about who we got. Um, you know, there's some more that you guys don't know about, but that's fine, and it'll stay that oh, way. True. But um, <laughs> all right, but, no uh, follow up, no follow up. Yeah, but um, but you know, it's it's one of those things that you know we we if we get, I, I'm a firm believer of, especially in this game, if we get the culture and the structure in the place it needs to be, mm-hmm. 
and then we enable the I enable my coaches to enable the players to be successful, then we're always going to be successful. It doesn't matter what roster you have out there. Um, you know, that that's that's what we can do. And that's I mean, that's what I did last year. Um, and we were able to, you know, to write the ship. And then this year, you know, we'll we'll do the same thing. And, you know, we'll make sure the team's at the place it needs to be when day one for the season starts. And if it's if it's not where we want it to be, well, you know, the things things I can guarantee are that we're going to work harder than any other, any other team in the league, and that my players are going to hold themselves accountable for if they're not playing well or if they need to do something, they're they're going to work to get better because every single one of them on the roster under, understands you know the level of accountability that I I expect from them and I hold on myself and that they should they should do the same. So, um, yeah, I hope that kind of answered what you were talking about, Yiska. So. Absolutely, yeah. So I think that's a good point to just like continue talking about the specific players because some of those are very interesting and especially like I don't think m many viewers that uh, some of them are a little watching. obscure for for the general audience, but sure. but have definitely made a name for themselves, you know, pre Overwatch League, um, and and they're 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 quite solid, I I would say. Yeah. In, uh, interestingly, one of the coach favorites, like you know, sometimes you, like you watch a game, or let's be honest, with so much owl on, there's a limited amount of drive. I also mm -hmm. have been watching contender seasons, um, especially outside the playoffs. And there was one guy that slipped under my radar, but uh, um, the interesting thing is then to hear the coach feedback around contenders, around Overwatch League teams. And the guy that stood out and where people even said that, man, like during a time of the season, he was the best flex support in, in NA, uh, was Lastro. Yeah. And apparently absolute nutter, like He's great. alarm-esque yeah. if you want, during that time better then alarm according to these coaches mm -hmm. um what was the trial of process for him like and what do you think like is that one of your hidden hidden aces up your sleeve i, I don't think he's he's a hidden ace i think uh i mean i i think he's he's just outstanding he's he's a great player but uh trial process for him was the same as everybody else he went through the same thing um you know uh like i said no, nobody got any free breaks. Nobody didn't get to skip things because we thought they were good or we had an eye on them. Uh, and we said, hey, you know, we're going to do this. We want you to do the close trial. Do you want to attend? He said, yeah, absolutely. Came in and like, hey, this kid's this kid's as good as we think he is. Like, we should try to get him soon because we don't want anybody else find this out. We don't want him getting trials other places. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, fortunately, we were able to move quick on it and make it work. And, you know, credit to Mike on that. Um, he does such a great job with taking care of the actual player signings for, you know, uh, who we think are going to fit and getting them done quick and working with the lawyers and all that stuff. So it's it's great. Um, but uh, speaking on Lastro, I mean, he's people are going to be surprised um, if, if people don't know who he is. Uh, they're going to find out really quick because he is uh, he's great. I mean, he's, he's every hero he plays, he plays at such a high level. Um, he, he's so talented. His, he actually can communicate uh, pretty well in uh, an English communication system, too, which is, is great. Um, and he's really receptive to feedback. And he, he takes the feedback and implements it immediately. So, you know, when we're looking for players that kind of hit every aspect, like, uh, you know, every nail on the head, boom, 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 right down the line. And we're like, yeah, this, this guy, he's talented and he's 
he's definitely going to, I think at least, uh, he's definitely going to be a, uh, a good piece for us to, to utilize this year. So I'm super excited. I mean, yeah. does, uh, does potential rookie of the year last row strike you as, uh, as, as fancy? Does that, does it kind of perk yours up? Packer? I mean, I think, I mean, the, the world's his oyster, man. He could, if, if <laughs> like he honestly, like, I, I swear he's, he is absolutely outstanding. He, um, he reminds me in a lot of ways of Kariv. Um, even, okay. uh, even a little bit to the goofiness sometimes of, um, you know, uh, in, in practice and things like that and lightening the mood. He reminds me a lot of Kariv. Um, and, uh, and that's a good thing because Kariv was one of my favorite players I ever coached in my life. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think, I think he's, he's, he's got a good start for himself. KS7 okay. last for the next Romans. So that's going to happen. Pair him like, up. What was that? Karif and Ship him. <laughs> like uh, last row and KSF, the next Romans, like Karif uh, and Agilis. I don't know, man. Tune in to find out on the Valiant content <laughs> at the Los Angeles Valiant YouTube. Um, you know, get another news. So. Last row news. <laughs> yeah, last row news. That yeah. yeah. Um, now, as you said, like we can expect, uh, I think you have we have the minimum at the, at the moment, right? Like you, there were re league regulations. At yeah. some point, you gotta have eight players. Those gotta be locked up. So you gotta start getting the visas and everything. But as you said, uh, there's there's going to be more players. Can you at all disclose anything of of the amount where they are yeah, from? Yeah. So, so yeah. So we we have um. Like our roster is, is now finalized. We have nine players, so um, at, le at least for now, that is we. That's what we want. That's the number we want. Uh, we think it, it it fits well. We we have the right amount of people that we could give the right amount of resources to. So we have nine players. Like I said, can't really talk about you know mm, sure. um, who, but you know we 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 did yeah yeah. Um, <laughs> I like that. So yeah yeah. Like the, <laughs> I'm I'm already already a little bit scared to ask because we had a we had an uh, an interview in the like last stretch of the season last year and of course with your manager and back then I asked you sure. okay so where do you where do you think you will land and For, oh okay we're going this way okay I got you. once again I ask you with with what like yeah. what do you think what's what's your season goal basically. Yeah. Um, so, uh, like my my personal goal obviously is to win every game we play, um, and I, that never changes. No matter no matter what is that, that's all that's always gonna be my goal. Because if it wasn't, you know, I shouldn't be doing this job. Um, but you know, that being said, you know, realistically this year, I know you know we're gonna have some bumps and bruises along the way. We got you know we got a new team, um, a lot of new players, and and I think the the most important aspect to look at is just, you know, the level of synergy that we have um, that we have now. And that needs to be built up because there's there so many, so many players from different walks of life that are playing here. There's no, no core roster that we're building around really um, uh, because we signed how many new players. So, uh, you know, when it comes to expectations, our expectations are to develop these players. Um, so that way, you know, we can be successful long-term for the future. Um, and, you know, that's what, when I was talking to, talking to um, Mike and talking to, uh, you know, the upper management, that's, that's really what our focus is on is getting these players, developing them and being successful long-term. So, you know, this year, if we're not as successful as I would like us to be, that's okay. Um, 
But in the same respect, I'm trying to win every darn game we're playing. So yeah. you know, it's a yeah. it's it's one of one of those things that uh, you know, putting a number on it, I can't really quantify it. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to win as many as I can. Uh, the maximum number of games that I can win will be the number of games that I'll try to win. So, uh, so we'll, we'll go with that for now. And you could, you could, you could talk to me again in mid season and we could, we could, you know, come up with something more concrete. Okay. Makes sense. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're going to get at least this many wins. I can see the conversation already. Yeah. Mid season. At <laughs> least. Yeah. 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 At least this, this many. Yeah. That's fair. That's a, okay. So here's, here's the thing. Like we heard for instance, that, Next year is going to have more frequent patches. Sort of like the, the cadence of pat or the time between patches will decrease. I think a lot of people sort of expect a patch to come out before the leak start. Now, how severe that might be, whatever. Um, I guess two-part question. Um, is there still valuing a, a, a value in practicing a meta that you're eventually not going to play? And what basically what kind of lessons can you take away from that? And then um like what kind of goals are you currently pursuing in scrims? Yeah, well that's a three part question, but I'll let it slide. True. So yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, German math, they do it differently. Yeah, I know. Yes. Um yeah, so uh personally I think, you know, any teams that aren't practicing now are wasting time. Um and that's just my personal opinion because once the season starts, practice schedule is so limited, right? We talked about that before, but mm-hmm. um, there's so much you can learn, especially when you're bringing in new players. There's so much you can learn just if it's not at a macro level of something you're going to play about how people interact with each other, how they learn, how you can influence their decisions positively, uh, you know? So to me, you know, practicing early is extremely important it's something we didn't do last year um that that i think we needed to and i think it was one of the reasons why we weren't successful we had to send everybody back to where they were from because because of the visa issues last year mm-hmm. and we didn't practice it was like hey listen we just gotta wait for the visas we'll wait until everybody gets back and then we did that and then we're 10 steps behind everybody else so it, you know even if it's not the meta we're gonna play um you know, you, I think there's so much you could learn between, you know, inter, interpersonal relationships and communication and how people think about things and how they see the game and how you can influence their decisions and help them learn and um, and enable them and all those kind of things. So, um, so yeah, I think, you know, playing early is, is extremely important. And then um, I forget what the last part of your question was, but... It's because there's a three-parter. What are you currently parter? focusing on? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, oh, so what are we currently focusing on? Yeah. So, um, what we're focusing on is, you know, uh, we're playing, you know, the, the current meta, right. And we're, the, we're talking about, you know, how we should be talking to each other, right. In game, out of game, you know, uh, feedback stuff. Um, if there's problems, how do we arise, arise at them? Critical thinking, you know, if, if things aren't working, how do we go about this process? Um, last year, a lot of people heard <laughs> me talking all about the steps, you know, mm. this is the steps, follow the steps, follow the steps. Um, so they're kind of, kind of the introductory level of, of that stuff and going, Hey, listen, this is what we need to do. And at a fundamental level, if we do this on whatever composition we're on, we will always be successful because we're always going to have that base. We're going to fall back on it and that's, what's going to happen. So 
we're working a lot on the fundamentals and the key aspects of, of of the game rather than going okay cool on on this comp like we really need to break down this one clip uh really really in depth uh it's it's more so large scale macro uh and then you know working with people together building those relationships with coaches and players and player to player um and making it feel like a team um right now at least for us because like i said when you have whatever it is six players who were never played with each other before mm-hmm. you know you, you got to start building those relationships somewhere and especially when you lose a lot of those those key culture guys like a cariv and a custa and you know space and guys like that then uh, you know you need you need to build it back up and that's you know that's kind of every team i, I think there's so mm. many so many signings this year it's like yeah if, if you're not playing right now, I, I really do think you're going to be behind the eight ball because you're going to be learning all that stuff. Oh, and you're going to be traveling. So sure. now your practice time might be cut. Now this might be cut, whatever. Uh, so it, it makes it hard. And, you know, the earlier you do it, the better. And then you go from there. So, yeah, like that, that's the thing that's, that's quite interesting to me. And it makes perfect sense. Like this offseason, of course, it was not just like a lot of, uh, trades and whatnot even though like players also tell me that like wow they're doing it completely differently we never did this but they don't have that same for the coaches i think it's perfectly reasonable to expect to for instance take over a team that even like someone i don't know what like crusty is probably the uh, most successful coach considered like walk into a team that uh, crusty coached for a season and just say oh you're not doing that like that's not part of your comps you're like this is not implemented. You you don't have these men, mental images or you know like models sure. of uh, how how uh, fights play out and whatnot. So I think it's perfectly reasonable to just like use this time because you're not essentially learning the meta. You're learning interpersonal skills or how to synergize with your teammates, right? Especially valuable for uh, people that haven't played in. Um, multinational rosters like some teams have that but quite actually quite a lot of Koreans are now coming out uh, that were on exclusive teams I'm thinking Mecco I'm thinking Birdring right they yeah. gotta figure out what what it's like to have NA comps right like A-A-A-B-B-B-B-B. like basically like just um, a very different calling structure and then uh, generally um, to see that it's it's always very interesting how different languages used also just like maps map callouts or whatever oh, like yeah. they they can be wildly different in teams right Have yeah. you ever that, broken that's down? something we actually did uh you know in the past couple of weeks was um you know we're giving out like call out sheets and stuff like that mm. you know like hey listen we don't know when we're going to play all the maps but we're going to play them eventually right so here's three maps learn these right learn these call outs everybody be on the same page um and you know, it's, that kind of stuff is extremely important, extremely overlooked. And once again, last year, that's something like we were missing because we weren't able to do it during the midseason. When, when is there a great time to go to your players? Oh, hey, I know you have to put, focus on playing the games. I know you have your stream time. I know you got this and this and everything else. But on top of that, here is the map pool and learn all these uh, learn all these call outs. On, um, so on average, just total curiosity, like yeah. per per map. How how many call out? Can you tell us how detailed those call out spaces get? Uh, like we we yeah we fifty so, or like ten. Yeah, yeah. So we we try to use broad categorization. So like you know, uh, we don't want there to be too much, right? It should be a general area of the map that they're looking at. If you say something, so um, 
you know, less is more in a sense. I, I've done it before in the past where, you know, it was very in detail with like, hey, you know, this is the, this is this, this is this, this is this. But at the end of the day, one of like as long as they're not just going, hey, uh, this guy's on right, this guy's on left, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, then we're we're in a good good place, you know. Short callouts and then modifiers, top bottom, left right, the left bank, top bank, whatever. Um, you know, that's 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 really what you need because there's there's no room for the other stuff. So, um, yeah. yeah. Reminds me that, of my like, Halo days coming out with those callouts. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah, finding yeah. the right balance of like how detailed can you get before yeah, yeah. you're like. Uh, sword room at the top with yeah. this. Yeah. Get it. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Cause that's, like that's all that stuff is just a general information calling that like, we just want to cut down on, right? Everything we want is short, concise to the point and has purpose. Um, you know, no, uh, I don't want to say no information calls cause you need information, but only important information calls and then command calls, right? Like we're doing this. I want to, you know, stuff like mm. that. So mm. yeah. really, really important. That's one thing that I picked up from uh, Arrow analyzing a VOD and basically like the way he broke it down almost. In, so not only on a language point of view, even though that language then also dictates how pe- people think in their position, like pre-fights, mid-fights, uh, cleanup, and then uh, again, pre-fight or post-fight, right? Sure. Like mm-hmm. basically like in those things determine for your team, am I... S- still in need of investing ultimates um like do i need to is, is someone there that just says oh let me clean them up then i i'll have all for next or whatever like these things it's it's very interesting to see and it's also very interesting to see how different these things are um at the different levels of play like this sure. is so often like these 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 language differences that is actually a thing that I've seen that is lacking in some contenders teams, at least, where it's more really like it feels very pickupy. Yeah. Of course, needs to be because often these contenders teams are being shaken up every other week, where yeah. they get a player bought out, and then what are you going to do? Like you can't yeah. get that level of granularity then, right? Mm. Well, I think the thing is, um, you you could. Um, it's just more work, right? Like, cause if you have, say you have six players, not, not five of them are going to get picked up at the same time. Right. So sure. if one person's getting picked up, but then you have a proper onboarding process and you have the structure to put it in there, it's like, Hey, listen, by the way, um, this, is, this is what we do. This is how we do it. Um, you know, here's what you need to know. And here's how you, here's the way we're going to teach you how to speak and do all this stuff. Like you're teaching one person and the team is going to help in that process too, rather than be like oh hey we get we you know we got we lost one guy got to draw it back up um you know you'd be more plug in place because once you get um once you get a, a structured and efficient system going i mean you could pull someone out put someone back in and go okay like this guy like well a couple days and that guy should know what to do um because everybody else is doing it right and they're all mm-hmm. leading by example and um and if you're one cog in the whole piece then it's really easy when they're not doing it or when they are doing it to give them, you know, positive, you know, reinforcement, negative reinforcement, things like that. So, yeah, there's, there's like a, I recently, or it's it's a while ago, but there's a paper that is basically like on the behavior of chimpanzees and they're trying to find the best factor that determines this chimpanzee's character almost. Is it aggressive, defensive? And the best predictor of 
actually any ape-like uh, monkey is what are his five closest uh, companions like? Yeah. So if they are all aggressive, this fifth person or fifth uh, monkey is yeah. also going to be aggressive. It's very easy to see, like like we tell our children, like mm -hmm. don't surround yourself with bad influence. Bad people, exactly right, and that, and that's the same thing when like we talked about before, you know, when it comes to roster building, right? If you surround, if you're surrounding these people with, you know, morally good people who, you know, who fit the bill on the, the categories you're looking for, um, like the, it's going to be a team. There's not going to be culture problems. Like you're going to be, you're going to be successful because that's, if you, if you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to be a successful person, you know, and that's, um, you, you look at anything from sports to business to every, everything else in life, just being a good person. The, the people that surround themselves with good people are the people who are good people. The people who surround themselves with bad people are people who bad stuff happens to, or, mm -hmm. um, you know, um, you know, things like that. Uh, and you know, I think it's, I think it's really important. Uh, really, really important, but you are bringing me back to my primatology days when I was going to Penn state. I've, loved my primatology class and i was doing a big thing on anthropology and stuff when i was there and uh man it's freaking great love that <laughs> stuff so you, you've you've recently gotten back to universities right like oh uh, well so i graduated so um the funny thing about last year was um in uh, May, I graduated from uh, you know the university i was going to and i still take some classes now just to keep my uh challenging myself but um last year uh when i took over as like the interim head coach right i was the interim head coach um trying to figure out the whole mess of what was going on um traveling back and forth from california to georgia um mm -hmm. i you know i just had my son he was six months old um you know trying to learn how to be a dad and be there for him um you know uh, I was going to school, taking 18 credits at university the whole time, and I was flying four days a week. And I was doing all that at the same time for from January until May when I graduated. And then it went down a little bit. But <clears throat> the, the, thing, the thing is about that stuff, it's like um, it, when you talk about like, like passion to want to do things and being successful and stuff like that and surrounding yourself with successful people, mm. you know, if you do that stuff and you practice good habits in your life, then like I, I firmly, I really, really do believe that you'll always be successful. No matter how, like how hard you have to work, if you want it, you'll get it. it just like be around successful people, be around supportive people, you know, and, and you'll be good. Um, and yeah, I mean, uh, really, really important. So. Yeah. Like <laughs> the, the, um, wait, I had a point. Ah, Oh, uh, oh yeah. Like, I guess you're sort of practiced for the eventual um, sleep deprivation because of being a father. Like, th that's one yeah. thing that people really underestimate, especially like the 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 esports audience crowd, like young. There's there's a study that I read that having a child, like a toddler, for the first I, th I think twelve months, because they don't sleep through, and you have to worry so much and everything. It is emotionally worse than than even losing your significant other. Like it's oh, wow. just 
it's just so like yeah. emotionally taxing and the, it is. especially the deep the sleep deprivation is awful right it, it's it's tough man um i remember uh when when i was first i was like yeah, i could do this like i want to graduate this semester i'm gonna do this force myself to and uh i started doing it and i would wake up my wife um she's a she was a teacher and now she's you know thankfully uh she's able to uh to stay at home and be a mom mm -hmm. um, which is great but uh you know when it comes down to what my day-to-day -day routine was at that time i'd wake up six six thirty in the morning and i'd go fly at seven i'd fly from seven to eleven I would uh, go to class, you know, I, I had some online class and I would go to a class, you know, 11 to 12, 12 to one, go, go check on my son at the babysitter, come right back, go to practice, um, you know, do, you know, some VOD reviews, this, that, whatever b before, and then go and do a full day of practice. And then after practice was done, I needed to spend time with my family because I didn't see them all day. Um, and then spend time with them, go to bed and do the same thing over the next day. It's like when you're, when, you know, when you get done with practice, cause I was on the East coast, we get done with practice at, you know, typically like 11, but then we do a review. That's so scrims get done at 11 and we do a review and then I have my coaches meeting and then we build our review for the next day. And then this and that and everything else, you're not getting out of there until two o'clock in the morning. And then it's like, you just want to sit down and hold the baby. And it's like, Oh, Hey, by the way, yeah, you, you know, you're sitting sitting down holding them for an hour and it's like 3 a.m. And you're like, oh, by the way, I got to wake up at 7 and do the same thing all over mm -hmm. the next day. Um, but if you want it, you get it. And that's that's sure. what you do, right? Is If um, if you're passionate about something and you care enough, then you're always going to make it work. So I, I kind of wanted to ask you about that. You know, it it, it sounds like maybe barring school because I guess it depends on exactly what your major was and, and how interested you Aviation were in science it. and okay. uh, concentration of flight. Yeah, so. So something would you say that you were you know passionate about something at least that kind of engaged you that you could actively learn and do it? What was like sucks, work? Man. You? Okay, School fair enough. No matter what. But, <laughs> but um, when it comes to actually out of the actual act of flying airplanes, it's awesome. Um, okay. But in the same respect, right? Like you don't want to fly an airplane, especially if you're flying solo. You want to fly mm. an airplane on four hours of sleep. So you, you need to you need to make it work somehow, and you need to you need mm. to figure it out. Um, so there were a lot of times that you know I'd have to either you know, call in and say, "Hey, listen, can we can we bump this back an hour because like I'm unfit to fly and I need another hour of sleep or this or that or whatever the case sure. may be." Um, and one of the reasons that you know I thought I might have to put things on hold, but like I said, if you're passionate enough about it, you'll do it. Um, and if it's something that you really really want, then you, then you'll mm. do it. So. Those were also well, actual planes, not just simulators, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah so like, like, perfect example, right? One, one of the days uh, before practice, I actually didn't have, have class that day, but I flew, um, I had to do a, a long solo uh, cross-country flight. So I flew from, you know, middle of Georgia down to uh, Panama City, Florida, and I stopped down there, got some lunch, you know, uh, had them fill up the plane and flew back. So, you know, we're not talking... Um, a lot of times we just fly local and then practice maneuvers and stuff we need to do to actually get our licenses. But, you know, some of the times too, you're doing these, you know, a little bit of longer haul trips through, you know, instrument, you know, through the clouds and stuff like sure. that, that it's, it's very taxing mentally and, and physically on you to, to be, you know, so vigilant and aware and make sure you're, you're being safe. So 
and that's kind of where I was going is that like it seems like at every point in in your day to day life, week by week, you're like on all the time, you know, whether it's, you know, taking care of the kid, you know, preparing, you know, a family, preparing the team, sure, yeah. flying school. Where where does this 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 drive, where does this energy come from? Was this kind of instilled from you at a, at a young age? Was this, you know, more military like we don't have sleep? We've got, you know, things to do. Where where did that where did this kind of come from? Yeah, I think it's, uh, in all reality, I think it's biological. Um, okay. my, my dad, uh, he, uh, he sells food for a living. Um, and it, he doesn't stop. He's like, Hey, mm. well, I could sell more food. Like I'm, I'm going to make more money. I get paid by that. So that's what I'm going to do. And then my brother, you know, he's a lawyer in New York city. He just, I was just talking to him yesterday. He worked, he's doing a deal out there. Uh, this big, big law. Um, okay. and, uh, he just did a deal out there. He's working uh, 120 hours in the week. Um, so I'm like, like, what, I don't, I don't know what, what, what you're talking about. He's literally living at the office because mm. that's what he needs to do to be successful. And that's what he makes right. more money that way. Right. Um, and you know, for, for me, you know, it's, it's the same way yesterday was our off day. Um, so what did I do? I went upstairs and I rearranged all the shell. I was up there uh, in our walk-in closet and rearranging shelving and doing this and doing that. I get done and I go drive down and help my dad, you know, do some stuff, handiwork down at his house. And I'm like, I want to come back and put the insulation in my garage and do this and do that. <laughs> like, uh, to me, it's like, if I'm not doing something, like, I just feel lazy. Like, mm-hmm. And that goes, you know, it goes for everything, right? With the you know, coaching or, you know, being at home or sure. trying to take five minutes. It's like, I always have to be doing something. I could always, I could always be better. Right. So mm-hmm. if, especially with the coaching stuff, it's like, if I'm not doing it or if my team is not doing it, I feel like someone else is. And then we're so then, and in terms of setting an example for, you know, your players and your staff and stuff like that, it's like, if, if they see, you know, how hard that I work um, and how much drive and passion I have that I want to be successful, then why would they not do the same? Um, mm. And then it holds them accountable saying, you know, Hey, if I can do this, you have no excuse to tell me that, you know, you can't, you didn't go get your passport for a month or you didn't do this. You didn't do that. Sure. Right. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's definitely one of the lead by example type things. And I think the actual, uh, sadistic nature of, uh, our minds is just, mm-hmm. Hey, we have to, we just have to keep driving and like, you know, uh, force ourselves to force ourselves to do stuff. And, um, and, you know, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> how, how does someone that despises laziness end up in video games where half of the player base are notorious slackers, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good question. Um, and, uh, it actually, it, it's funny because when it, when it comes down to it, it's, uh, uh, the weirdest thing on the face of the earth, because I was in the Marine Corps. I got out in 2014, mm-hmm. uh, in 2014, I like, I really, really struggled with like PTSD. I could not sleep um, at all, at all. If I went to sleep, I woke up with night terrors and there were times I was, I literally thought I was seeing ghosts. Like I was terrified, petrified every day to try to go to sleep. Um, to the point that uh, in our, in our room, we had a, me and my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. We had a, mm. a one bedroom apartment and we had a, there was a wall uh, for the walk-in closet that had a mirror on it. and I literally had to hang a bed sheet over the mirror because I was like seeing shit in the, in like the mirror. So sure. when I couldn't sleep, I had to find 
stuff to do with myself. Um, right. And uh, I started playing Hearthstone and Counter-Strike. And, you know, I was like, oh, hey, I'm not bad at Counter-Strike. I'll play this game. I started playing that. And then, you, you know, I guess it was about a year down the road. I'm like, I got into the beta for Overwatch. And I'm like, oh. Let me test this out. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm not bad at this game. I'm like, I'm, I'm going to play this game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to make some money doing it. And then uh, I realized once the game actually came out, I'm like, yeah, I'm not that good. So, uh, you know, I want to be involved. How do I do that? And I started, you know, looking at coaching and seeing if I would be able to help people. And I knew at least mm-hmm. from a leadership and structure standpoint, I could. And I was around in the game for a little bit. So it was that too. Um so then I started coaching teams and I, you know, I think I talked to you about this before. You just get with the first team I coached. Um, Arrow was one of my players. Ticketee was one of my players. Like we had, <laughs> I had a bunch, a bunch, I, I was surrounded by a bunch of good people who ended up being successful too. Right. So, um, you know, it, it really helped me out. Uh, and then I ended up just kind of going through the ranks with that and signed a contract with the uh, hammers, Esports. freaking first contract, hundred dollars a month. I was living in it. I was living in it. But what it did was it gave me an escape because I was going to use that time. I don't know what I would use that time for if I didn't find it. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, when when you find something like that and you end up, you replace it and it replaces something, you know, negative in your life with positive energy, it's, you know, it's it's great. And, um, I, you know, I, I said, <laughs> I, I, said to, I said to my dad yesterday, I was just down there helping him. I said, you know, it's, it's a crazy world. I said, when when i started all this and everything you know it was a really good escape for me and i just that was gonna be something temporary you know four years down the road or whatever it is five years down the road um playing video games doing that stuff like it's influenced my life so much that like now i don't deal with any of that stuff i can sleep fine at night all this other stuff and like i'm actually thankful for you know, the experiences and everything that happened to me when I was in the Marine Corps, because if it didn't, then nothing would have went this way because I just would have mm-hmm. went to school. I would graduate from university. I would did whatever the hell I was going to do. And that would have been it. Um, but I've been able to meet and influence so many more people now um, just because of the sheer fact of, you know, going to Afghanistan, like really screwed me up in the head for a couple of years. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, like I said, I, I never thought I'd be thankful for it, but you know, here I am today, and I, I am. So it's 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 a wild ride, man. It's a wild ride. That's that's <laughs> life's sure. a life's a weird weird yeah. journey. Yeah, you 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 gotta love it. Like in in comparison, I was always like, okay, so this guy theoretically could just fly planes probably make more money <laughs> but, <laughs> but here like we are other yeah. people's children <laughs> like, yeah. and, and the thing for me uh, you know like i said um it, when it when it comes to coaching i, I like I, I love the fact that uh i get to be involved in the game and i get to get to do this uh, you know i've been I, I love sports so much that you know it it kind of lets me do that um, mm. and, and they channel that side of me. But in, in the same respect, what I love more than actually coaching a game is making uh, these players better people and being able to give them an outlet for someone that, you know, can share these experiences with and, you, you know, uh, give them a different perspective on life and, and help them 
learn through these things like you know a lot of people don't have uh and that's what you know we talk to the coaching staff and the you know the biggest thing i tell them is hey listen you know like we make better people we're better the players better people first and then we make the players better players second and mm-hmm. like that's what we need to do because at the end of the day i have a shelf life in esports so does everybody else that's okay. that's the way it is um and whenever that time runs out if they're not set up for success beyond esports with you know uh being good people and you know positively influence their communities or understanding you know hey they could they could do these kind of jobs or stream or this or that or whatever then uh, then i'm not doing my job because i'm not setting them up for success because uh like like how how shitty would it be if you work with a guy for 10 years and it's like oh hey by the way your career is over uh and you have nothing like you're like what 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 do they do um I, I would never want to do that and that's why like i said it's it's always people come first and then you know the actual player side of it comes second so amazing uh, well fast before we yeah, wrap up i was gonna say last question say my piece um you know i you know just from from that that kind of a emotional place and that kind of heartfelt story you know i, I just wanted to thank you for the service you gave Appreciate and it. uh glad that glad that you're uh you know feeling better and you know glad that video games can be uh an outlet because you know we constantly hear that drudged up violent video games is that the other thing and and it's 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 always heartwarming to hear you know stories like yours and and many others to to kind of you know put that put that to rest hopefully sooner or later so uh you know just glad that everything worked out yeah me too trust me me too (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i do have one last question for you as we sign off uh and we do this when everybody comes on um representing a team you got a lot of la valiant fans out there uh like i said we've been kind of lurking in your discord this past week especially trying to you know you know kind of see what they're talking about and hope you know kind of get the pulse of the team and and uh, fans are steadfast, which is great. Um, you're changing a lot this season. There's a lot going on. Uh, season three is obviously going to be a big change from season two and season one. What message do you have for those LA Valiant fans or prospective LA Valiant fans as we go in to season three? Sure. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is just to you know. Uh, just to take a deep breath and just trust us. You know, we're, you know, we're doing our best job. Like we're, we, we want to put together a roster that um, long-term is going to be successful and that, you know, that we, we believe in and we get these personalities that, you know, build the personalities that the players love, like they did with Custa and Kariv and Agilities and everybody else. Um, so, you know, just like I said, just, everybody just needs to take a deep breath it's you know i i see all all the stuff everybody's like oh valiant's gonna finish 20th this that everything else like you know if you know the type of person that i am that that's it's not gonna happen like i i I physically cannot let that happen right um and it's 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 so so important that you know if they if they believe in in you know the management and they, they believe in the ownership and they love the team believe in the coaching staff we're gonna put the team in the right place to succeed uh just like any other team we're gonna go through some growing pains just just like just like a normal sport just like you know an east an e-sport when you have a new team there's gonna be growing pains but you know trust me it's like we will be fine we'll be in we'll be in a great place and uh and you know it's gonna be an exciting season so love it even d is in here rooting you on 
Hashtag oh trust packing. There he is. Look at him. I just right don't there. like the team he coaches for. I like him, but I don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I like you, Nipe, but I will crush you. Uh, that's good. That No, that's good to have. I think a, a great resounding message for LA Valiant fans. Um, everywhere i need to i need to buy my every year i, I buy a, a coach's jersey <laughs> last year's back and making the cut he, he's, I better make he's cut. I'll, oh wait where do you live because I'll, I'll find you <laughs> here's the thing he's got planes he knows how to fly him. He'll, be, he'll, he'll find you here's the thing this is the last two <laughs> coach jerseys i bought within like five months they moved on to different teams so maybe you don't want me buying your jersey at that point but uh, who knows? No, no, Just, I'm good here, dude. We're not moving. We'll, <laughs> Same. We're in for the long haul here. His feet are planted. We'll do a, we'll we'll do a special segment early on in the Overwatch League season called John buys a coach jersey, <laughs> and we'll see uh, which which uh, which one I end up falling. Oh on. man. But, uh, for real, packing. This has been great. For real, yes, thank, thank you so thank much you. for yeah, having, uh, being on the show with us. Uh, just being really transparent and honest. We really appreciate it. And I know that fans of the Overwatch League love the insight, the experience that you provide. And you know, thanks for uh, using our platform to you know be able to talk about it a little bit more. So, uh, with that going on, let's go ahead and close out, Joe. I think we got some patrons this week. <laughs> Yes, we do. Um, and as a kind of a new goal, um, we're, we're pretty close, but we'll at, at $250, apparently we'll be doing uh, releases of the uh, the pre-show and the post-show. If, if we ended up doing those, um, they'll be out for everybody on the Patreon. So definitely, if you're interested in that kind of content, jump on over, uh, throw some love. We, we appreciate it. And big love, much love, all that good stuff to Carl B., Jensen M.W., and Charlie L. Thank you so much for supporting the show and making everything like this possible. Yeah, for real. We really do appreciate it. And just just for an idea, I'm actually going to release the pre-show and post-show uh, on its own this week. And so essentially okay. what we're thinking about doing is I'm going to release the pre- and post-show on, I think, Thursday. Uh, but it's going to go up on patreon either today or tomorrow so mm-hmm. uh patrons will actually get the episode or the uh the pre and post show before anybody else which is kind of cool uh but we're, nice. we promise not to unless we promise not to leak anything in the pre and the post show we're not gonna we're not gonna do you dirty like that no. i don't think maybe we will i don't know let's see uh but yeah so a little bit of extra content probably an extra like you know 20 30 minutes each week of our conversations not always overwatch league and competitive overwatch related sometimes like what yiska had for lunch related but uh, a lot of people ask sure. for like I, I would always love everything a lot of people come and watch our vods because they like our pre and post show so mm. you know let's make that available for you guys on more um on more platforms i think the the t- extra time it'll take is worth it so uh all right um beside that uh cool let's do let's just kind of do shout outs for the week where people could find you packing your guests go first like last thing put it all out there whatever socials hoorahs sure. uh, whatever that is uh <laughs> hoorahs army right as a hoorah as a marine corps got it Ura. thank you yeah you got I- it i'm ignorant um, oh that's all right um yeah uh packing underscore 10 on twitter um you know i also uh i've been doing a lot of streaming lately too so you know uh, same thing on on Twitch, uh, packing underscore ten on on Twitch as well. Um, and uh, appreciate you guys having me. Um, 
you know, uh, super excited for the season. You know, shout out to all the Valiant. Everybody who stayed with us last year through the process and, um, you know, who's either a new or existing fan staying through this process too. You know, it's a, it's an exciting time and, you know, I'm, I'm super excited. And I, I think once once you get to know the players and get to see what we're going to do, it, it'll it'll be the same for everybody else. So, Awesome. Will you be at guys. any of the uh, homestands? Uh, yeah, yeah. So this year I'll be, um, basically I'm like working like half, um, remote and then half with the team. So, mm. uh, I'll be, you know, working typically through the week at, at my house and then I'll be traveling with the team and stuff like that. So I'll be out and if anybody's out in China, you know, you could, you could see me out there or at any of the home stands, you know, make sure you come up and say hi. I'll be at all, all the matches this year. I'll be, I'll be traveling every, everywhere. So, um, you make sure you stop by and say hi and, um, yeah. Nice. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, Yiska, what about you, man? So first of all, whoever did the Photoshop on your thumbnail on your article this week about boomers in Overwatch League, who did that? Face up. Oh, really? You just face up <laughs> it? I just straight up face up. It was it. great. It was so good. Yeah. Uh, you, I know you had an amazing article um, this week about uh, kind of, I, I would just say like generally just kind of like age and maturity in Overwatch and how it kind of scales and yeah. uh it was awesome but you know shout outs what are people what should people check out this week um yeah as always like now in uh, that, that i'm off on the day job i'm going to pump out some content for gg intel uh i i want to go on a bit of a spree where we'll, we will see because i gotta clear up some uh administrative stuff other than that uh go check out the twitter as always i put a couple of pieces there like I had a satirical piece. I had a couple of opinion pieces. Um, of course, the the bench interview and whatnot. So, yeah, all the good things on awesome. GG Intel. Great. What about you, Joe? What's coming up this week, man? Uh, today, uh, about four hours ago, just posted a feature about Nevix and how he's basically the Iron Man of Overwatch, just out here surviving and and thriving, and maybe you know what his future might be on. Uh, on the defiant uh shout out to skipjack for answering my email that was really cool to, to get his comment on on a, on a former teammate so that was really dope um this week also have uh this this week's episode of alternate overwatch history we're going to be talking about runaway um won't give too much more than that but uh be on the lookout for that in the next couple days so yeah that's kind of what's on the horizon awesome uh, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod, Twitch, Twitter, YouTube. Um, that's kind of where the shows end up going anyway. Follow the show on Twitter at tactical underscore crouch, youtube.com slash kick tripod, and of course twitch.tv slash kick tripod. Support the show, patreon.com slash tactical crouch. Uh, I think we're going to try and do a uh, game night this next week. I don't think we didn't. I wanted to hammer down a time with you, and I totally forgot. Uh, but if you're. Uh, Croucher sub or Croucher patron. We'll talk about it in our Discord. We'll uh, go ahead and send out the updates. Other than that, I don't have anything else. Big thank you again to Battlecrab, Made, Pin, Wolshin, and Charlie L for being our patron producers for episode 66 of Tactical Crouch. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.